Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Molly Jong Fast. No relationship to Kim Jong Un. I'm a left wing pundit and a writer at The Atlantic and Vogue. And I'm Andy Levy, former Fox News and CNN HLN guy and current cable news conscientious objector. And I'm producer Jesse Cannon, and I'm here to make sure things don't go too far off the rails. We're here to have fun, smart conversations with the wisest and funniest people in science and media and politics that help make what's happening today clearer. Our world has been turned upside down, and on The New Abnormal, we'll talk about the people who got us into this mess and how we'll hopefully get ourselves out of it. Hello and welcome to another Sunday bonus episode of The New Abnormal. We thank you so much for being here. Today we have a special guest with Nikki Freed, who's of course Florida's Commissioner of Agriculture, who's also running to be governor in the state and is currently trying to win the Democratic primary down there. And we're going to talk to her about what's going on down there and all the fuckery under DeSantis. But first, let's have some fun. All right, are you guys ready to listen to some clips? Hell yeah. Let's go. So... In the midst of all the Supreme Court confirmation, there was a lot of interviews done that weren't just the stupidity we saw on the floor because some of these senators weren't allowed to sit on the panel. And we had one senator, Mike Braun of Indiana, did an interview where he said something very, very, very dumb. So you would be okay with the Supreme Court leaving the question of interracial marriage to the states? Yes, I think that that's something that uh, if you're not wanting the Supreme Court to weigh in, on issues like that, uh, you're not going to be able to have your cake and eat it, too. I think that's hypocritical. <laughs> there it <laughs> what, is. <laughs> what, what, tell me you're a racist without telling me you're a racist. <laughs> no, no. He's just a strict constitutionalist, Molly. That's right. The Constitution <laughs> says, I mean, these fuckers, that when I saw that, I thought, like, they're never going to be happy. They're not going to be happy when they take away abortion. Right. They want to go back to the times of antebellum. This ends with, you know, like, less and less rights. And it's funny because, like, I remember thinking before the 2016 election, well, like, Trump won't get elected. But even when he did, I thought, well, it's so terrible, but they'll get what they want and they'll see how much it sucks. And they didn't. They were thrilled. And then when Trump started killing his own people and telling them that the virus wasn't a big deal, I thought, well, he'll kill his own people and they'll say, like, this guy's a monster. But it seems like he can pretty much do anything and these Republicans can pretty much do anything and they don't notice that it's against their interests. Yeah, but this is, like, this is the stuff that is... Like you said, they want to go back to antebellum times, which, yeah, that's probably not wrong. But the most charitable thing you can say about them is that they want to go back to the 1950s. Like that's the latest time frame you can give them is the 50s. They all think that the 1950s were were grand and it was the white picket fences and, you know, the nuclear families that all loved each other. And like to them, that's the Garden of Eden is that, and they don't care that, first of all, that never really existed, and second of all, like, to the extent that existed, it existed for white Christians only, and wasn't even so great for white Christian women. 
but they don't care. Like that is their, that's the end game. And I really do think that that is the stuff that is truly important to them. Like the economic stuff, you know, they'll say, you know, they'll say the magic words like free market and deregulation and whatever. <laughs> but but ultimately, they don't really care about that stuff. What they really care about is returning the culture to what they think was its ideal state, which, uh, again, and, and they want to paint that state as being like, you know, it's, oh, when people were, and this is when they usually throw in uh, Martin Luther King's quote about judging people <laughs> by the content right. of their character, i.e. I. the only Martin Luther King quote they know. Right. And they only know a very small part of it. Yeah. And and they think, like, to them, they think that's what America was like until the 1960s, until these, you know, long-haired hippies started coming in and, you know, with the, with their sex and their drugs and their rock and roll. Like, that's these people. They are the, they are the same people. These are the people who, if they were alive in the 1950s, they thought Elvis on the Ed Sullivan show was too much, you know, with the hip shaking. And that's what they want us to go back to. So, yeah, like, when you say it doesn't stop with abortion, I could not agree more. They go after abortion first. There's already talk about, well, we'll get to the other stuff that they want to name off of that. But then you go all the way back to Mike Braun, who now, by the way, says, oh, he wasn't really paying attention to the question. But if you listen to his answer, <laughs> yes, he was. He absolutely was. He knew what he was answering. Times that people make gaffes, and then there's times where somebody has the confidence where they're going, I've said this so many times before in private. I've thought about this so much. Right. But I think the important part of the Mike Braun situation is that this is not even a senator who is particularly held up as a radical. I mean, he's sort of thought of as more of a kind of, you know, moderate senator. And and I mean, it brings me back to this thought with DeWine where he signed permitless carry. You know, this guy who's held up on CNN as a moderate is signing permitless carry. Like, these are not moderates. There are no moderates left in this party. But that's what I was going to say. They are moderates in the sense that these are, you know, this culture stuff is is the moderate, it's the mainstream Republican opinion. And, you know, there are some of them hide it better than others. And some of them don't agree with it. I don't want to I don't want to paint every Republican with that brush. But this particular one saying out loud that interracial marriage should be a state issue, you're not going to find too many Republicans saying that out loud. But I don't know that they would that most Republicans wouldn't disagree with his logic there, which is basically that it's not the federal government's business if states want to discriminate. That was the pre-civil rights act way they thought, and nothing's changed, really. Well, to back you two up, we have a quote from one of our worst uh, senators, Ms. Marsha Blackburn, where she basically backs you guys up and talks about how she wants to ban birth control. Over the past few weeks, I've heard a lot of liberal activists argue that this shouldn't matter. When they look at the Supreme Court, all they see is a rubber stamp for their cultural agenda. The idea a biased policymaker justice appeals to them because they prioritize results over reasoning. After all, choosing heroes and villains is much easier when all you care about is getting the result you want. The chaos that ensues when the court abandons the Constitution and kicks at moving goalposts doesn't really matter to them, but it should. Constitutionally unsound rulings like Griswold versus Connecticut, Kelo versus City of New London, and NFIB versus Sebelius confused Tennesseans and left Congress wondering who gave the court 
permission to bypass our system of checks and balances. Uh, yeah, birth control. Why the hell are we even letting people have birth control? You know, I wonder when I listen to those, I think to myself, like, there's a staffer who wrote this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a teleprompter for sure. Right. But also, like, there's a staffer who wrote this. Like, the only thing more demented than the person saying it is probably <laughs> the person who wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> It's hard to, I don't know that I agree with that because I think the, the person who wrote its job is to write what they think the person who says it believes. Right. I think the person who says it is, you know, if it's written specifically for them, I think they're the more deranged. But this is exactly it, Molly. And this is exactly like first it's Roe, then it's like Griswold, they're now starting to say out loud. You know, she's not it's the first one to, to talk about it. I know. But but she's not the first she's not the first one to say that that quiet part out loud. Like that's now that's now, you know, that's become pretty much mainstreamed, unlike the loving case, which Senator Braun. Yeah, he decided to take that one out of the lockbox. <laughs> that's exactly it. And and that's why, you know, again, Molly, every time you say they're not gonna stop with abortion, that all I can do is not an agreement because that's exactly right. It's like first it's Roe, then it's Griswold, then it's God knows what's next. I mean, Kilo, I actually agree with her on because that's about eminent domain. But that's, you know, neither here nor there because that's not a cultural issue. It's these cultural issues that where they just, you know, they will not be satisfied until, you know, a woman's place is in the kitchen. You know, the rhythm method is the only the only legally sanctioned <laughs> form of birth control. It's not even a joke anymore. Like it was it was easy to make jokes about it, but it's not it's not funny anymore because they're saying it out loud. Right. No, I agree. It's like being in hell. Yeah, I just can't even wrap my head around it there was a lot of crazy shit that happened uh so speaking of crazy shit that happened we're always uncovering uh nice little tidbits of how the sausage got made in the trump administration after one kid rock did a interview with one tucker carlson we discovered some of his input on policy would you guys like to hear that i mean i want to die but yes let's hear it (laughs) (laughs) where'd you meet trump let me Trump. Oh, got at the White House. But oh, Sarah Palin. Oh, the White House. Yeah, Sarah Palin asked him to, uh, you know, was friendly with her. And early, right when he got elected, he invited her to dinner and said, bring some interesting people. So she said she called me and, and Ted, uh, Ted Nugent, and was like, hell yeah. <laughs> Ended up there. We ended up becoming buddies and spent a lot of time on the golf course now. And it's really weird. Get phone calls from him and stuff. It's just kind of mind-blowing. What's he like to play golf with? Awesome. So much fun. Really? Why? He just knows how to have fun. Doesn't take it too seriously. Yeah. You know, he's engaging. It's just, you're just cutting it up. Just open with politics. And I was there with him one day when the, he ended the caliphate. He wanted to put out a tweet and it was like, I don't like to speak out of school. I hope I'm not, but it was <laughs> something like, he's like, tell him like, yeah, the tweet was, and I'm paraphrasing, but it was like, you know, if you ever joined the caliphate, you know, and try to do this, you're going to be dead. He goes, what do you think? I go, Awesome. Like, yeah. <laughs> Tweet that out. <laughs> I was like, I can't add anything better than that. But then it comes out and it's very, it's reworded and more political and like, you know, a little politically correct. And I'm like, just being pretty, you know, we're looking at maps. I'm like, you know, I'm like, am I supposed to be like in on that? <laughs> 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 I make dirty records sometimes. I'm like, what I do it here. You didn't think you'd have a hand. What in do that? you think we should do about North Korea? I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> 
I don't think I'm qualified to answer this. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> My first thought there is if if Sarah Palin was told to bring interesting people and she brought Ted Nugent and Kid Rock, <laughs> she doesn't know any interesting people. Yeah. I, my first thought was like, you think Kid Rock is stupider than Junior? Mm. No. I'm not convinced. I mean, I feel like he's basically the same as Trump's kids. Like, I mean, yeah, makes sense. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually surprised he was self-aware enough to know that he shouldn't be talking, giving advice about North Korea. <laughs> like, that, that surprised me. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that that's my uh, hot take. My favorite Kid Rock thing, which was not in that clip, but anyway, is he's. I think it was from that same interview. Was he said that he's uncancelable because he because he don't give a fuck? Like literally, nobody is trying to cancel Kid Rock. We're, we're, a lot of people are making fun of his latest songs because they're god awful. But nobody is trying to cancel him. Like we're just we're we're not trying to cancel you, buddy. We're laughing at you. Like you know, <laughs> stick around. You're entertaining. Like we're we're entertained by how by how bad your music is. Well, I also feel like there's a sense with these guys are just having fun. Like they're just having a great time with the presidency. He's meeting powerful people, and I mean, Trump did this to get more famous. Like he may have enjoyed it, he may have loved the corruption, but ultimately he did this to get more famous friends. Like and to have more fun and to rob the United States. Like. So it's great that Kid Rock really enjoys Trump, but it is like a real, you really see how how sort of unseriously they all take it. But again, it's just sad. It's like he did this to become more famous and meet famous people and he ended up with Kid Rock. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's famous to him. No, I, I, yeah, I guess that's true. But it's like, I think Donald Trump not being president could have met Kid Rock. I, like, yeah, I don't think he needed to be president to meet Kid Rock. I got a sneaking suspicion Kid Rock was a big fan of Trump steaks. Yeah, probably. In the waters. <laughs> this is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. You know, there's something I've really been needing to get off of my chest lately, which is that everyone and their mother should listen to the Andre 3000 album because it lifts my spirits on a regular basis, 1000%. We all carry around different problems, big and small. And let's be honest, when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. That's where therapy comes in. It's like this safe space where you can unload all those burdens and start figuring out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Therapy can make a difference. I know this from firsthand experience, and it's not just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's for anyone who wants to improve their mental well-being. Therapy can help you learn coping skills. It can teach you how to set better boundaries, and it can make you be a better version of yourself. If you're considering therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online, which means it's convenient, flexible, and fits into your schedule seamlessly. Plus, getting started is as easy as filling out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And the best part, you can switch therapists anytime at no additional charge. So why wait? Take that first step towards a happier, healthier you with BetterHelp. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash the new abnormal today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, slash the new abnormal. Nikki Freed is Florida's commissioner of agriculture and is running for the Democratic nomination to be the governor of Florida. Welcome back to the new abnormal, Nikki Freed. Well, it's so good to be back with you. It's been, I feel like, so long, and it should be. In my mind, it feels like a long time because I like you, but it, it's pretty, I think it's pretty recent. <laughs> But time has no meaning anyway, so. Exactly. (laughs) Talk to me about what's happening. You are running for Florida governor. You have a Democratic primary when? So the Democratic primary is at the end of August. So we've got one of the latest primaries in the country, which doesn't really help considering that we've got to almost instantaneously uh, get out of the primary and start working on the November election, which is why we are just really focused on having the right message, talking to everybody, regardless of their Democrat, Republican, independent, um, because look, our, our state's divided right now. Our country's divided. And, and there's so much hatred and bigotry out there right now. And you know what? That's not what the people want to hear. The people want to hear that their government is working for them, that there's so many issues that are impacting their everyday lives between uh, rent and housing and you know just affordability of our state. And we've got a governor here that spends a considerable amount of time just scapegoating different groups in our state and going after different demographics and not doing what a governor's supposed to do, which is just leading and working for the people. So let's talk about how you got to be the third most powerful elected official in Florida, how you appeal to Florida voters in a way as a Democrat in a reddening state. You know, when I was first elected in 2018 as commissioner of agriculture, it was something that people didn't expect. They did not expect me to win. It's typically a Republican seat uh, that my predecessor had won by over almost 20 points, almost a million votes that we were able to flip. And I had a very unifying message. The issues that I campaigned on in 2018 were very simple. I three W's, water, 
weapons and weed, issues that really transcended partisan politics. And that's really how I've tried to lead our state. No one expected me to win a a, a good Jewish girl from Miami and in a seat that has been always held by, by men, not just in the state of Florida, but across the entire Southeast. And I rose to the occasion, fought really hard and are showing the people of our state how, how to govern and how to really do things in the best interest of all people, not just those who potentially had voted for me. And, and now we're getting to a point that I, I'm, you know, maybe our first female governor of the state of Florida. And I'm doing the same thing. I'm talking about the kitchen table issues, the things that, you know, keep people up at night and with a unifying message across the board. And, you know, we've got, I keep talking to my Republican friends. I said, come take back your party. We need a strong Republican party just as much as we need a strong Democratic party. That's how democracy works. And that's unfortunately not what's happened here in our state as we've had one party control our state for now almost 25 years. So explain to me, but because remember, this is a national podcast. Some of us live in Florida, but many of us don't because we see Ron DeSantis every day you know, banning trans athletes, making a show of it, fighting with Disney, fighting with cruise ship companies. But tell me, what are the real issues you see voters in Florida struggling with? You know, it's the same issues that we're seeing across the country, but even more so here in the state. I mean, I hear it every day from Floridians all across our state, from Key West to Orlando to Tampa to Jacksonville to the Panhandle. It is a consistent drumbeat that people can't afford to live here. You know, that we continue to to bring more people into our state, almost a thousand plus people every day that are moving here. But the people that actually live here are struggling. Rent is increasing by over 50% in some areas. And that's not just for for low income families, that's for our middle class as well. You know, I'm hearing it from all demographics, from people that have just graduated from college or university, to our teachers, to our first responders, to people that are working in our tourist industry, to those that are um, our frontline workers. Everybody is struggling. And if you are on a fixed income, a 50% increase in your rent is just no longer affordable. And the same thing when it comes to, to the housing market. Homes are no longer affordable. That American dream is slipping away from so many Floridians right now. You know, we always were sold that if you get a job, you go to school, you have a good paying job, you're gonna you know, be able to afford a home. And that's just not the case anymore. Um, people can't afford a, a home here in our state. Uh, they can't afford their property insurance, which has gone through the roof. Um, obviously, you know, property taxes have increased when valuations have gone, you know, so high, and it's just becoming unattainable. And so we're seeing a lot of people wanting to are having to to think about leaving the state because I just can't be here. And that's so unfortunate and so heartbreaking. And I'm hearing it every day. And unfortunately, we have a legislature that just Uh, adjourned uh, a week and a half ago, passed a $112 billion budget, and none of it addressed any of these issues, including our increase of of of, uh, our gas tax. You know, we know that that, you know, gas prices are, are, you know, impacting people across the entire country, but you're seeing governors across our country step up and try to help the people. Here in the state of Florida, they passed a gas tax that goes into impact in October, you know, right before an election, not impacting people today, 
Uh, we're seeing high increase of costs for, for even food because I talk to my ag community every day and they're telling me that the increase of gas is in, you know, obviously you know, impacting the cost of, of their production of food. And so there's so many things that we could be doing today that we have not addressed. And unfortunately, the whole entire world watched after the devastating impact of Surfside down in Miami and, and watched you know, the, the aftermath of that. And we had an opportunity this legislative session to come in and fix some of the condo laws. But once again, industries and corporations prevailed and they walked out of legislative session uh, with no piece of legislation to, to impact something like Surfside and to really look at ways to protect lives. I was just about to ask you about Surfside because I think that's an issue. First of all, lots and lots of people died in a completely avoidable tragedy that was caused by a lack of government regulation, right? Like if there had been inspections, scheduled inspections the way there should have been, that they people would have seen the cracks in the concrete. I mean, this is something that could have been prevented and avoided. And so I was curious, and it's something that, as we know, as sea levels rise, and there's more weather, and there's more salt water, and the, you know there's more salt in the air. This is gonna get. This is gonna even move faster. So we're gonna have more and more of this. And there was no legislation to fix it. Nope, no legislation to fix it. And you know it, it's kind of a, a three pronged problem. You know, first off, we used to have a five year inspection. Unfortunately, one of my opponents in the primary signed a piece of legislation rolling that those regulations back. You can just tell us who that is. <laughs> you know, it, it was during the Charlie Crist administration. He sided with with developers and you know signed this legislation that that rolled back that inspection. Uh, and so now there's it's a thirty year inspection, uh, and and that's too long, especially with some of these older buildings. And, and so that's one aspect. Here's the other problem with our condo laws is that if you've got a community like you know those that were living in Surfside in this specific building that are on fixed incomes a lot of retirees a lot of people that you know come down here to Florida that are now on fixed incomes and if you potentially have let's say a, you know a 50 million dollar assessment to fix you know the infrastructure of the building and you've got people that are on fixed incomes what are they supposed to do? Um, are you supposed to assess your, your your neighbors, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars? Um, or do we need to start coming up with other ideas and other plans to put money into trusts um, and be able to figure out another game plan here? And then, of course, the third prong it is the fact that you're absolutely right, that sea level is rising and the saltwater intrusion that's coming into the coastal communities. And I, I was born and raised in Miami. My my uh, great-grandmothers, you know, I remember going down there almost every weekend down to up to Miami Beach where they lived. And those buildings are still in existence. And unfortunately, you know, have to, to look at the fact that the sea water is rising and is intruding into these buildings. And if we don't do something about this, uh, we could have some additional, you know, buildings that, that are compromised in the future. And you saw everybody really, you know, taking a second look at, you know, buildings and whether or not they're going into these condos. And it's something that needed to be addressed. And unfortunately, they left session without it. It should have been a special session that should have been called almost instantaneously, um, immediately after Surfside and to go into there and try to fix these issues and get to the bottom of it. But this is what's wrong with Tallahassee and what's wrong with politics today, that you know people come together and they, they fight and it's industry versus industry and nothing gets accomplished. You know, it's funny because I was thinking about in Texas where you also have a very performative Republican governor, Abbott, um, 
he has this power grid that is, you know, it's they're not on the national grid. Their grid is constantly failing. We had people freeze to death. And Abbott is focused on women's sports and <laughs> abortion and, you know, all the stuff that has nothing to do with, like, actually providing service for his people and constituents. And I wonder how much you think this performative Trumpism is really getting in the way of what a governor is supposed to be doing. Oh, 100%. You know, everybody's trying to get to that, you know, sacred Trump supporter and go, it's not even right anymore. You know, it's not even left or right because, you know, my my dad is a diehard Republican. I was brought up in, in a household where I heard what the Republican, you know, mantra was less government, less taxes, less spending, home rule and free market. Those are five fundamental principles of the Republican Party. Not of today. That is not any of the principles of the Republican Party today. True conservatism, where I see those actually are, are things that I am, you know, pushing for. You know, less taxes, less spending, home rule, free market, and unfortunately, the the Republican Party today is more focused on creating doesn't exist creating culture wars in our in our states in our in our country and dropping the ball on economic issues that are really what's what people care about people aren't going to be sitting you know if somebody is you know a, a waitress and she's working two shifts just barely making ends meet and her rent is being increased by almost $500 a month she doesn't want to look up at a TV screen when she gets home and see her governor yelling at kids about masks or, or talking about NCAA swimming. She wants to know how her governor and her government are going to help her have a good quality of life, you know, raising her, her standards of living while, while lowering her costs. And she's not seeing that from her governor. And that's unfortunate because that's not how government is supposed to work. Yeah. Is it that Fox News has sort of taken over the Republican Party. And so everyone, I mean, I was watching these hearings yesterday and I was thinking, these people don't, it's like they don't even know where they are. They just want to get on Fox. Yeah, I think that's part of the problem. And I just think that they're tone deaf, you know, because I can tell you I'm traveling our state and it is large and I'm talking to all sectors of our state, you know, from economic differences to cultural differences to geographic differences, different you know, backgrounds of where you come from. You know, people that have you know, fled Latin American countries to people that have been here for generations. And it is a consistent conversation about the economy. So the people that are in Republican leadership today are just tone deaf. They are just not listening anymore to the people that are on the ground. I don't know if they've gotten on these, you know, white horses and believe that they are just morally superior to everybody else. But these aren't the conversations that are happening in churches. These aren't the conversations that are happening in in restaurants and, um, you know, around dinner tables with family members. And I don't I don't know what's happening in our society that that people in, in leadership in Republican Party and elected officials have become so disconnected to the people that they're supposed to govern. And they're so focused on, you're right, getting on Fox News, getting the the latest of, you know, whatever the the new social media platform is and creating these divisive issues 
when the country wants to come together, you know, we are seeing what's happening in, in Ukraine. And my God, how, how the Ukrainians are standing up against a bully and are uniting. And the people of our country are uniting. They, they are supportive of our president and are supportive of financial sanctions. Well, not, not everybody. You got, you got a governor here in the state of Florida um, who has made one comment. I've asked him now for, for two and a half weeks to divest almost $300 million of our pension funds. From Russia. Yeah, from Russia. And so that money is probably worth zero. So now that this... You know, guy who's supposed to be a custodian of our retirement pension fund just lost $300 million of our hardworking money. But everybody else across the entire country is unified and wanting to support Ukraine. And that's what it's supposed to be. You know, this is a time when America is supposed to show what America is about. Patriotism, freedom, democracy, and unity. We're United States of America. And unfortunately, you've got Republican governors and certainly watching the display of what's happening up in Washington, D.C. right now with the historic Supreme Court nominee that they, again, are using that, that you know, those microphones to, again, uh, create these culture wars instead of recognizing this historic moment. And Judge Jackson, who I also went to high school with, so proud, proud of our Miami and public defender background, is one of the most qualified to have ever, you know, been in that seat for nomination. Right. And they're creating these culture wars. Of course. I mean, that is shocking horrible. I mean, what they're doing is particularly grotesque. Democrats have had problems with Florida. What could Democrats do as a party that might help them in Florida? Follow my lead. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us what you really think. Look, you know, as the only Democrat to have won in almost 20 years uh, into a cabinet position, um, I understand the messaging. I understand um, what the needs are of the people. I talk to them every single day. The Democrats need to understand once again that it is always about the economy. It always has been and always will be. Of course, of course, we have to stand up and we have to fight and we have to advocate for our people and for our principles. But at the end of the day, the people of our state want leaders. They don't want their their, their elected officials to be falling into these cultural war traps, which the Republicans are trying to do. We have an opportunity under my leadership to bring our party together, to unite our party and to fight for fundamental principles that you know, we, we might be, you know, have been, you know, electing Republican governors for 25 years, but it's by the smallest of margins, by, by less than 1%. Ron DeSantis won by 34,000 votes out of 8.2, almost 8.3 million votes. Right. So 34,000. Right. So to say that our state is red is not consistent with, with our how we vote. And for those same 25 years, the people of our state have consistently voted for very progressive constitutional amendments, whether it is a 50 $15 minimum wage to medical marijuana, to environmental issues, to restoration of civil rights. But we as Democrats have not done a good enough job running campaigns and to make sure that we are on the same page uh, as the rest of the people of our state. Uh, so we have to take really kind of some playbooks by the Republicans on, on the economy, on, on home rule, on free market. But really, we've got to rise above this chaos and this nonsense be ready to fight. Um, there's no one out there who doesn't know that I am not willing and able to throw punches. And most of the times I land them, um, make the governor squirm uh, every time that we're in the same room together. And that's what it's going to take is to stand up against this bully and show the people of our state that there is a better way to lead. Yeah. Thank you so much, Nikki Freed. <laughs> Thanks, Molly. It's so great being back on again. On that note, we'll wrap this episode of The New Abnormal from The Daily Beast. 
In future episodes, we'll be talking to smart folks from the Daily Beast and beyond from media, culture, politics, and science who will help us understand what's happening to our country and the world. We hope you'll subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and share the show on social media. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again on the next episode. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.